0: one or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study
1: for Thursday, April fourteenth, two 2011. Thank you for being a part of it and joining in on the broadcast tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad.
2: Jacob, great to be with you. As always, on Thursday night, we look forward to the Virtual Bible Study. Hope that we can... Uh, discuss some things that will be helpful and informative.
1: It is a listener interactive program in which we benefit and need your participation. You can join in in three different ways on the program tonight. Give us a call toll-free at 877-381-4567. Send us an email to questions at com, or if you're watching our feed from the com, you can join in the chat room to the right of your viewing window there tonight. We've got an interesting program planned for tonight, very interesting.
2: Jacob, we've got a special guest joining us right here at the top of the Virtual Bible Study. Dr. Ted Campbell uh, from Southern Methodist University is joining us. Dr. Campbell, welcome. Thank you. We're glad to to have you with us on the Virtual Bible Study and looking forward to talking with you about a blog that you put out on the uh, uh, Internet. First of all, let me me give a little bit of your credentials. You're Associate Professor of Church History at SMU. Uh, and uh, you write a blog. I think that's of your own doing, called Methodist dot org. Am I right? That's
1: right. Yep, that's mine.
2: Okay, and so and I,
1: I, I mispronounced it last week. It's Hardcore H E A R T. Hardcore. Har- hardcore. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's right. We've got a screen up with your picture and with that blog uh, address for uh, for our listeners who'd like to get to that and read some of the things that you write. They're very interesting, um, and. On your blog, you you got a lot of attention from those of us who are members of the Church of Christ, Ted, because you wrote on your blog, and I think this was back just about a month or so ago, why the Churches of Christ were right after all. I want to tell you, if you want to get our attention, you can grab our attention in a hurry writing with a title like that.
3: <laughs> all right.
2: And and you said you said before we went on there, you said that you have gotten quite a bit of feedback.
3: Yeah, I've got oh eighty or a hundred uh, pieces of feedback on that, and a lot of reblogs on it too. Now, so I've appreciated that.
1: The first question I guess I have is: Are your comments here tongue-in-cheek, or are you are you are you uh, sincere with your comments?
3: No, they're, they're 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 not tongue-in-cheek at all. In fact, I'm I'm glad you asked that because somebody came back and said, "I presume you're tongue-in-cheek." And no, I I really like the uh, music at the uh, Churches of Christ. I mean, I stated in a kind of odd way when I say. Your church doesn't force men to sing soprano. You know, you have to kind of read between the lines and all on that. But, no, I really mean that.
2: Well, great. You you mentioned on your blog, a little bit of background, your great-grandmother was a member of the Church of Christ, but her son, your grandfather, became a Methodist, and your family has been Methodist ever since. Uh, and then then you said, based upon some interaction that you'd had in the past, and I'm quoting from your blog here. You said, I didn't have a very positive impression of the Churches of Christ, but I'm beginning to change my mind. And now I'm thinking they may be right on some of those most interesting points that have distinguished them. You visited a, a Church of Christ service recently. Is that right? That's
3: right. Yeah, here in Dallas, the uh, Preston Road Church of
2: Christ. Okay. Um, just just quickly, some of the things that you mentioned, and I, I want to get into this a little bit more as we go along. You mentioned... Uh, uh, and I, I, here I'm just reading some real brief little quotes from your blog. They, uh, concerning Church of Christ, you said they have a profound insight into Christian music and its place in worship. Yep. They have the right name. They celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday. There really yep. is only one Church of Christ. And then you comment on the simplicity uh, of the of the worship. Now, yep. uh, as I was looking at as I was looking at your bio on the SMU uh, uh, website, I noticed. Your teaching specialties include Methodist history, doctrine and polity, history of Christianity, history of Christian doctrine and theology, and ecumenical Christian doctrine. Yes. And then also under your research interest, one of the one of the things listed is ecumenical Christian doctrine. And so my question to you, Ted, is is this what this is about? Is this is this the thrust of your blog that the sort of the idea of ecumenicalism that we really should accept and tolerate and embrace the good things about everybody's differences religiously yes
3: I think that's part of it uh, I think also part of it is just trying to to learn the specifics of the churches of Christ I now mean, I don't I don't appreciate every group kind of equally around something like that but I do think different uh, Christian traditions have different gifts and uh, I've, I've held up five particular gifts in this blog that i uh, that i find characteristic
2: of the churches of christ okay now basically if if i'm reading you right and you correct me on this i don't want to i don't want to misrepresent you but if i'm reading this right you're sort of saying i'm okay you're okay the, there's things i like in other words i'm putting not not intend to put words in your mouth but you're basically saying there's things i like about the church of christ but i'm a methodist and i obviously like things about the methodist church you're okay i'm okay is that is that your take on it
3: no, I don't. I don't like to put it like that because that almost sounds like everybody's kind of equally right uh, all around, and that's that's not my take at all. The, the the take I have is here's five things that I've come to appreciate about the churches of Christ, and um, on which I think they're really uh, right about these particular things. Uh, that doesn't mean everything. I actually got some criticism today from a, a woman who attends the churches of Christ, and she was really. I angry at me because I didn't take them on about women not speaking in church and so forth but I said hey that's not what I'm trying to accomplish here here's five things and I I
2: stick with that These so so you things. were dealing with five things that you saw positively you weren't you that's right. and I I, I I understood that that way you you were not you were not addressing things that you might have been negative about you were dealing with the, the positive things that you saw I understood that as I read your yep. blog um that's right.
1: Now, are the are the things that you mentioned? Then, are you saying that those things should be adopted by everyone?
3: Well, in some way, I mean, for example, the musical thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to musical instruments in some ways in churches. I mean, we we do that every Sunday. What I what I don't like about, I guess, to to make the comparison with my own churches is the sense that you really can't sing unless you have a piano or an organ.
2: Yeah. Hey. Hey, can
3: I give you an example? Of sure,
2: that? sure, absolutely.
3: My brother died recently, about three weeks ago. And oh, no, sorry. He was sorry. a Navy guy. Yeah, uh, unexpected and so forth, but he's a Navy guy. So we wanted to sing the beautiful Navy hymn at his funeral. And uh, they came out and they said, well, we have the words to it and everything, but the pianist doesn't know how to play it, so we can't sing it.
2: So because they couldn't play the piano, you couldn't sing either. Yeah, yeah, right. I understand. Well, I understand what you're saying.
3: That's weird, man.
2: Well, now I noticed among some of the publications that you've put out, one that was called Methodist Doctrine: The Essentials. Yep. Uh, what are the essentials, and how, how do how do we determine what's essential and what's not? In other words, you you're a Methodist. Obviously, the Methodists do a lot of things different than Churches of Christ, but you see, yep. you see positive things in the Church of Christ. What, what are the essentials? You, you wrote about the, the essentials. How do we determine them?
3: Well, first of all, it's, it's a kind of a difficult question here because when I say doctrine, I mean things that churches have agreed to. Uh, so, you know, like for Methodists, you can tell what our essentials are because we have articles of religion, confession of faith, that sort of thing. You know why that's more difficult uh, talking about the churches of Christ?
2: Sure, sure, right. I because, mean, we we, because, we, I mean, we, don't, we we don't have a creed book. We don't have uh, articles of faith. We just <laughs> hold right. up the New Testament when you ask us that. Yeah,
3: that's right. Now, uh, I know that's true. I also know that there are certain things that are absolutely consistent about churches of Christ. Uh, they may argue about musical instruments, and I've you know I know about instrumental churches of Christ and so forth, but. I don't know of any that baptize infants. So there actually are things that are consistent, but...
1: Uh, Nick, I mean, you know, Ted, you know. we would we would argue that they're consistent because they're using the same standard. Right. We haven't gotten, we don't have any kind of convention that says, okay, we're not going to baptize infants. We just, you know, we would say we're using the same standard. So if we use the same standard, we'll, we'll do the same things.
3: Right. Yeah, and my point is, we're talking about Methodist Doctrine is, is easier in a sense because I can describe it on the basis of specific a consensus document that we utilize. Right. Well, Whereas we'll, my, for example, okay. my friend Douglas Foster at Abilene Christian University says, when we're talking about the teachings of the churches of Christ, it's a little more difficult because you have to kind of describe what's generally characteristic of churches of Christ, even though there's not a written document or creed or something. Does that okay. make sense? It, yeah, it does. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, now, uh, but d- but, back, to the, back to the question. What, What? where, how do you determine things that are essential? Because what we we would say, you know, for instance, you say here the right name, that the Churches of Christ have the right name, and you had mentioned that the Methodist name is not uh, really the name that you would think would be the correct name. How do you determine, okay, we need to adopt a right name, or we know we have the wrong name and it's okay, we'll just continue to go with the wrong name?
3: Yeah. Well, um, it, it, it's a matter for me of what, you know, is essential for salvation, or what's essential for church unity? For me, the name is not an essential. You know, I mean, okay. Methodist is kind of an accidental name, not the best one anyone ever came along with, but I'm willing to deal with it. It's not an essential matter for me.
2: Okay, now my question, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's really answerable, but my question is: to me, the name is a, a, a critical factor. Uh, the the church it's is okay. called the church is called the Bride of Christ, and so I believe the, his bride should wear his name. I want my bride to wear my name, uh, but you say that's not essential to use. How, how do we how do we resolve that? I mean it, it 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 seems you know it seems so arbitrary if we if you just kind of pass it off and say that's not that's not an issue to me. I don't care about that. I mean, are, are we at liberty to to pick and choose the things we care about and the things that that we don't have to care about? I guess is my question to you
3: no I think uh I think the uh the real standard uh, at the heart of the New Testament is the gospel uh first corinthians fifteen uh three to four Christ died for our sins in uh, accordance with the scriptures and he uh, was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that's the basic message that you know in my view norms uh everything else, and so that's the standard, but it doesn't sort of name something about what the name of your church has to be
2: okay so basically just looking at your blog a little more uh, a little more in detail let me read just a couple of quick sound bites they're not sound bites but a little a few quick uh, little clips from your blog uh, again we're talking to T- uh, Dr Ted Campbell from Southern Methodist University and he's written a blog uh, at his blog site hardcoremethodist.org and he says the churches of Christ were right after all. He he visited a church of Christ recently and came away with that conclusion. Um, you said concerning the Methodists. Now on the on the music question, I wonder if we have gone too far with our instrumental fetish in worship. First, the interest. Inter- instrumentalists just accompanied us then they wanted to improvise on the last verse forcing us all to sing soprano and now they just seem to launch off into improvisation whenever they feel like it with no warning
3: yeah there you are yeah yeah that's a problem for me you know i i guess i would say in my ideal church we probably use musical instruments just to get people warmed up at the beginning and musical instruments at the end to carry on like a party but i think the middle of it might look a little more like the churches of christ just with nice human voices I okay like
2: that. okay I, well i i i probably would go the other way ted I, I like instruments if if it was up to me i think we'd probably have a full orchestra going on uh during you and
1: you're not being tongue-in-cheek i'm
2: not being no. i'm not being facetious no, about not, that
1: really.
2: but it, it to us we, we would say it's not a matter of personal preference it's an issue of what's authorized in the scriptures you you follow that thinking
3: yeah but only if you accept uh, and and this is the point where i would probably push against it a little bit only if you accept the idea that you can only do that which is positively uh described in the new testament scriptures
2: okay so we would we would have to get back to a a, a study of bible authority and 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 especially have to deal with the question of the silence of the scriptures we're strongly of the of That's the right. conviction that when the scriptures are silent, we must be silent. We're not allowed to speak where the Bible doesn't speak. You would take the, uh, the opposite position on that.
3: I would say if the Bible doesn't speak to an issue, then the church is free to do uh, as it sees fit uh, as befits the gospel. Okay.
1: Let me ask you. Let me ask you how far you take that? Because uh, you know, when we, you know, you, you know, and understand that there are people are doing some wild and crazy things and calling it worship. I was talking with a gentleman today. He, he, he said he, he said that he had visited the church and it was just like an entertainment uh, venue for him how far do you take that I mean the the Bible doesn't speak negatively against a flying trapeze in our uh worship well, I mean, are you <laughs> no, are, are you okay with that
3: no I'm really not it's a it's a really good issue you raised and i I, I honestly don't know exactly how you draw the line uh, but you draw it in prayer and in uh prayer consultation with your fellow christians and and i think the gospel has the norm you know what what is it that calls us consistently to the gospel something like that is is at the heart of the thing
2: okay real quickly and we're going to run out of time here ted And we so appreciate you talking with us on the virtual bible study now yes. but you mentioned the right name you say methodist presbyterian baptist are not really ace names for christian groups uh and you you acknowledge that, like the New Testament, churches of Christ simply name their congregations for something that identifies the location where they meet. Uh, like uh, so we, we kind of dealt with the name question. You talk about celebrating the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Uh, yeah. Methodists obviously don't do that, right?
3: You know, it's interesting. John Wesley said every elder should celebrate the Lord's Supper every Lord's Day. So you would think so, but the problem was there weren't, weren't enough of our elders to go around, and so the congregations got out of the habit. But I think I think he really wanted to do that.
2: Okay, uh, and then you mentioned that there's really only one Church of Christ, and your is your view when you say that you you say that's a true statement. There's only one Church of Christ. Are you, in your view, are is the Church of Christ? a composite of all the various denominations and religious groups that identify themselves as Christian, the, the composite of those constitutes a singular body, and that is the Church of Christ?
3: Yeah, I think it's all who keep the apostles teaching, uh, those who break bread and have fellowship together, you know, that description of the church in uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, those who carry that on. Uh, are part of the body of Christ
2: of the church okay one one last and tough question for you Ted okay obviously you're a Methodist you haven't changed yet although you see that you see some things about the churches of Christ that you actually prefer over the Methodist church that you're a member of and I, don't, I hope that's accurate summary of your position
3: that's,
2: right. no, that's uh, very accurate yeah um, could have can a person be saved eternally, in the end, mm-hmm. in both the Methodist Church and or the Church of Christ?
3: I hope so. Yes, yeah, I believe so.
2: Okay. All right. So basically, you take these things as pretty much a matter of personal preference, what you would like and what you do.
3: I think you're trying to push me there, but I keep saying no. and okay. I don't think you're <laughs> hearing me. I'm saying it's the, the gospel is... The core of our faith what paul you know before the right. new testament was written down on the day of pentecost they didn't have the new testament they had the gospel they had the message the announcement about jesus christ and that i think is the core of our faith
1: okay well but also but uh christ told his uh, apostles that the the holy spirit would guide them into all truth so they knew they knew that christ had been uh, crucified he'd been resurrected uh but they still needed some some guidance on on on, on getting to that all truth I'm glad we got it, too. We are, too. We've
2: just recently been studying in Galatians chapter 5 in one of our classes here. And Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, on the very specific doctrinal issue of circumcision for Gentile converts, said that that singular doctrinal position could cause people to fall from grace. So I guess guess the challenge we'd have, Ted, if we had time to sit down and, and hash it all out is, how can we come to those essential doctrines that we all must believe I, my list is a lot more thorough than yours i'm sure and uh, and <laughs> okay. i wish we i wish we had a a, a a great chance to sit down in person and, and talk that out but ted we promised to keep you just 15 minutes it has been almost 20 we, we appreciate you so much for being willing to talk with us on the virtual bible study uh, uh you betcha. and i think we've got uh, your blog uh, address up uh, so that our viewers and listeners can see that for and,
1: those uh, listening to the podcast version it's hardcoremethodist.com
2: Yes sir dot
1: it's about heart not hard I, uh, don't be mistaken like I was
2: All right Dr. Ted Campbell thanks, from sir. Southern Methodist University thanks for joining us on the virtual Bible study
1: You bet you happy to be with you bless you Thank, Thank you, you. bye bye All right we're going to take a break and we'll get you uh, on the line at the other side of the break for your comments a great interview appreciate Ted for uh, for joining us and for his thoughts Uh, and uh, we got a similar comment in the chat room as well. He's very kind. Thank you, Ted, and I'm sure our other listeners agree with that. So we do appreciate Ted uh, for his uh, willingness to join us, and we'd like to hear your thoughts about his position. What are the essentials, and does it matter uh, how we worship him? Is it just up to our preference, or is there a, a stricter standard? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. You can join in on email, on the phone, or in the chat room tonight. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will
0: continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this.
2: us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study here are some quotes worth pondering look around at what you have before you complain about what you don't have The true disciple is obedient rather than ambitious, committed rather than competitive. For him, nothing is more important than pleasing the one who called him. Many receive advice, but only the wise profit from it. Man, I wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do
0: all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. We're back
1: on the Virtual Bible Study. That bumper right there really does summarize our position on things, and we, uh, we will get into that. We appreciate uh, uh, Ted Campbell from uh, Southern Methodist University for uh, joining us to discuss his recent blog post. If you missed it, and some of our listeners did, you can catch it in the, in the podcast version. Shortly after the program's over tonight. Uh, yeah, we, we got, appreciate By the, the way, us. we
2: should we should mention our archives. We've got at our website you can listen to the listen to the past programs right there on the website. You can subscribe to the podcast. The information is there right. on our website. We also just short within an hour or so after the program, we get up the archive of our video. So uh, there's a lot oh, of ways. That's you can, right.
1: That's a new feature.
2: Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that you can can uh, access past programs and a
1: vast majority of our listeners are not listening to the live version and so if you are listening to the recorded version you got some comments you say, boy I wish I had been listening live you can still send them in we'd love to hear from
2: you yeah so let's talk about our interview with Dr. Ted Campbell from SMU he's written this blog the churches of Christ were right after all he's a methodist he's not changing from being a methodist but he he sees some positive things from a recent visit to a church of Christ, he saw some positive things he liked, including music he liked he liked the the, the non instrumental music he 's not saying he opposes instrumental music totally, but he thought that just singing was preferable to him uh, he He preferred the name he preferred the, the way the lord 's Supper was observed and so forth he, he he said he appreciated the simplicity of the worship um, but the question is. It's okay to say that's what I like but how do we decide what things must be done Jacob?
1: Because we will never have unity and well, be agreed on preference. You know, he if if I say well I like instrumental music, I like a cappella music, you might like, you know, rock and roll whatever. It's never we're never going to have unity.
2: If if it if, in other word's if all I all I have to do is find a group of people who have personal preferences that, akin to my own, then that'd be one thing. But how how do we know that those preferences are acceptable to God if we don't go to the objective standard of the Word of God?
1: And Ted alluded to the fact that if you're playing by the same rule book, then you will be able to, you'll be in harmony. For instance, if you play by the Methodist creed book, you'll you'll be doing the same things as other Methodists. And he noted it was more difficult to figure out what church of, uh, members of the Church of Christ uh, believed and practiced. But... Dad, you've been in places where you come across people who have had no contact with anyone, any other uh, Christians in the past. They were just looking at the Bible and doing it, and you were in very close harmony because you're playing by the same rules.
2: That's right. If 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 we cut through all of the denominational traditions, including the Methodist traditions and others, and just went back to the Bible, and if we all just read it and did what it said, then... And, and we imitated the, the example and practice of first-century Christians, we could have unity on that basis. And the fact of the matter is that the Word of God actually teaches us Ooh, that. Yeah. That, you know, I believe that we see that the early church, there weren't denominations in, in the first century, not as, not as recorded in the New Testament. How did those first Christians achieve unity? Uh, and the answer is that they adhered to, the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2.42, says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And so there was the basis of their unity, uh, and uh, their unity is, is mentioned in chapter 4, Acts 4, verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. And so there's that unity, but it wasn't a unity in diversity. It wasn't saying...
1: It wasn't an ecumenical diversity, uh, unity?
2: It wasn't, no. It wasn't that, well... Some some groups there were doing one thing, and some were doing something else, and they all just decided to overlook their differences and be united. They were united in the fact that they were all following the apostles' doctrine.
1: The number to call is 877-381-4567. Email questions at com or join in the chat room. We'd like to hear from you on the program tonight. The best way for your comments to be heard is on the phone tonight. So what you're saying is that the uh, disciples of Christ in the first century were working hard to fulfill jesus will that he expressed in john chapter 17 when was praying to god that his believers would be one right so you're saying that god's not pleased with the denominational landscape today is that what i'm hearing from you
2: i think that is an important point to make from john 17 jesus was praying just before he was arrested just before the time of his crucifixion So you got to think that he was praying about things that were very important for him. These were sort of his dying words. He wasn't worried about the grass needing cut at home. Right. And so in that prayer, he had been praying for his apostles, but he says in verse 20 of John 17, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So Jesus desired this unity, a unity not where you believe one thing and I believe something different. We are different, but we claim unity. He wanted a unity like the unity that existed between him and the Father, which was perfect unison, no disagreement whatsoever. That's that's his ultimate goal for us. All right.
1: Looking forward to hearing from you on the program. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, join in on the phone, on email, in the chat room tonight. God wants us to be unified. Jesus wants us to be unified. Again, right before his crucifixion, he was praying that that would happen. We see in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 4 that first century Christians were taking that to heart. They were unified. They were of one heart and of one soul, Acts 4, verse 32.
2: Yeah. Uh, There's just a lot of admonitions about following the right pattern or form in the Scriptures. Hebrews 8, beginning verse 5, Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. But now hath Jesus obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. In other words, we're under a different covenant, but we're serving the same God that told Moses, be sure to do it just like I said. I think all through the Bible we see that God's a God of detail. He wants things to be done the way he said to do it. It was true in the Old Testament time period. And I believe under the New Testament covenant of Jesus Christ, it is also essential. Second Timothy 1, verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Form sounds sort of like a pattern to me, sort it's, of like a way you do things. Yes, that, that's right. Timothy was given an assignment. First Timothy 1, verse 3, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And so uh, that was an important thing in that first century. Uh, in Romans chapter 6, beginning verse 17, notice, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Notice, it was from their heart. It involved their heart, but it involved doing the right thing, the form of doctrine was essential, so there's just a lot of emphasis on that uh, in the scripture and and I think it's a mistake for us to say that being specific about form and pattern is unimportant. I think that's a wrong conclusion now what you you reference Hebrews
1: chapter five eight verses five and six which reference the instructions to Moses in the Old Testament on how to build the, the tabernacle under the Old Testament law that's given to us in the New Testament as well, showing us that God is still interested in pattern and instruction. And uh, in detail about how we worship and serve him. It's not like in the Old Testament God was very picky about things. And in the New Testament he doesn't care. He's given us an instruction, as you mentioned, numerous passages here that talk about a form or a pattern. And he expects us to follow it today. alright eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeu.com. We need to get uh, to a break.
2: Let, let me pick up just real quickly a couple of comments in the chat room, Jacob. Uh, uh, let's see. Patrick says authority is the number one issue which separates Christians. I think he's right on that. Guest 210 says we have a buffet style in the world of religion. Choose and pick. It's a bad view. Uh, I've got a friend who calls it cafeteria religion. You just Paul, go down the line and take what you like. Paul, I think, is in Bloomington, Indiana, and he says the problem is that the standard seems to be his likes and his preferences. Well, yeah, I think so, or anybody's for that matter. If if we're just following likes and preferences, there's no stopping point with that for sure. Uh, I don't know. There's so, so many comments here, a lot of chat going on in the chat room. We'll try to pick up some more of that when we get we'll back study, to this yeah, break.
1: We'll study for, during the break. You can study your comments in the break as well and get them composed and ready to go. On the other side of the break, we need to talk about you know, maybe the pattern just needs to be limited to Christ, the fact that he came, he died. He was resurrected and he ascended into heaven and he's coming again. Maybe those that's really the only pattern we need to be concerned about.
2: The well that's name. basically what Ted Campbell was saying, that we that's his core gospel. Right. That Jesus was born, that he lived, he died, he was resurrected.
1: Is that it? I mean do we just have to agree on that? And then beyond that, it's just it is your preferences. Maybe maybe we're maybe we're being too broad in our scope. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get back. Okay. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
0: After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break.
2: This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In writing about the qualification of deacons, Paul said that they ought to, quote, first be proved. That's in First Timothy 3, verse 10. His point is obvious. Before a man should be appointed to serve in this special office in the church, he should have demonstrated his faithfulness, his zeal, and his commitment to serve the Lord. We're not looking for a person to be a deacon who has to be specially recognized before he does any work. We want a man who is already working and who will continue to work whether he receives any notice or not. While Paul was specifically speaking about deacons in that text just cited, there are some things implied that have application to all Christians. First, you should realize that you are currently establishing a reputation. Others in the congregation are viewing your work and service. They are developing an opinion of you. As they think of you, they will see you as either a steady worker or as a mere spectator in the work of the church. Which will it be? Secondly, if it's right to hold potential deacons up to this kind of scrutiny, why would it not also be proper to use the same approach regarding folks who might be selected for other roles in the church? Preachers, Bible class teachers, those who serve in the public worship, and so forth. All need to first be proved. And then finally, while some will complain about this kind of judging, it is clear that the Lord expects us to do so. He even says so in John 7, verse 24. If you want to serve, then you must be willing to, quote, first be proved. And so, Christian, how are you doing? As your brothers and sisters look to you, do they see someone who is proving himself as a faithful disciple? Such evaluations are taking place continually. How do you rate? That's this week's bullet point think
4: about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study.
2: Missed a recent
0: virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study.
1: We'll welcome you back to the program and remind you that website address is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find out more information about us there and we'd like to hear from you if you have any questions about what we believe and what we practice. We're talking about a discussion we had with uh, Ted Campbell of Southern Methodist University. He wrote a blog entry in which he said the churches of Christ were right after all. We're asking the question, does it matter what we believe and what we practice, and is there a standard or a set of rules that we need to follow, and how far do we take
2: it? All right. I asked some questions to our update list earlier today, and I want to get to those questions. Uh, but we're very interested in your feedback. We had an interesting we, interview.
1: At, yeah, uh, and Nick in the chat room said I did enjoy Ted's attitude as he was being as we were, we were interviewing him. Excellent. I mean, just an excellent discussion and a very. And
2: conference. I assured him when when I talked to him to set up the interview that we, we, we're not going to bash him. We're, and we're not bashing him now that he's off the phone either. We're we're
1: just talking about our our, our view, our, and our differences of with yeah. his
2: position. That's right. what we want no, to he's emphasize. A good, he's
1: a good person and, and excellent attitude. We appreciate him joining us.
2: I asked the questions earlier today to our update list. If you want to get on that update list, uh, send us an email to questions at com. Just put in the subject line, add me to your list. We'll do it. I asked, does what we believe in practice matter? Yes or no? Why or why not? I think, I, and again, I don't want to answer or put words in Ted Campbell's mouth, but I would think he would say both yes and no. That. Yes, some core elements matter that we must believe, but no, a lot of other stuff doesn't matter. I think you'd say the same thing though. Yeah, but the problem is that it's
1: it's where how far are you going to draw that line?
2: Yeah, the the, the problem is my as I told him, my list is going to be a lot more thorough right. than his. Right. So We understand. Uh, for, we should perhaps point out that we understand that there are areas of judgment. Sure. wherein we are given the liberty, liberty to exercise liberty. our opinion. Right. Uh, and, but we have to establish those based upon, we have to establish what is judgment and what is doctrine based upon Scripture. the scriptures and the authority of the word of God.
1: Okay, so we'll get into that question. It doesn't matter what we believe in practice.
2: Number two, how would you answer someone who says, you're right, I'm wrong, but I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. Uh, and, and again, I don't want to misrepresent Ted Campbell, but I sort of get the idea that that's what he's saying on some of these things. You know, I, you're right, or at least I like what you're doing better than what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing.
1: At what point do you say, okay, this is the right way And, and
2: need... you and you got to change. Okay, all right. Yeah. And number then three. number three, what does the Bible teach in regards to unity and diversity? That's sort of underlying all of this, is that, that, that many people believe in a sort of unity and diversity. You believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe, and we'll still be all okay.
1: All right. Let us know your thoughts on those questions if you've not followed in or sent in those questions yet. Uh, send it to questions at collegeview.com. or joining the chat room. A lot of listeners in the chat room tonight who are not logged on. You can't, can't you can't chat without being logged on, but uh, don't worry. It's very easy. Just a couple clicks uh, at the bottom of the chat window. Sign in using chat roll. Uh, you can accept the uh, pseudonym that it will give you there, a guest with a number after it, or you can give yourself a nickname or you put your real name in there, and you know, you're ready to go. Hit the button, and you're chatting with other listeners on the program tonight. You know, Dad, we've got a lot of listeners who never – Uh, log in in the chat room but you ought to give it a try if you're listening to us live a lot of people enjoy that Uh, you can just uh, uh, sign in there and let us know where you're listening from tonight and we'd like to hear from you Uh, we look forward to hear you on the program tonight 877-381-4567 is the toll-free line uh, for you to use tonight to join in on the discussion
2: does it matter what we believe? Uh, yes or no, why or why not, we've got a guest, we've got a in-studio guest tonight, our friend Nick, who usually listens down in Jennings, Florida, is live and in person with us tonight. And I, I Jacob, I, I should explain why he's here. Our friend Nick is your father-in-law. Yes, he is. And he's here this week because you've, uh, and all of us, have been blessed with a healthy new baby girl born Monday. We have. Congratulations yes. on yes. the birth of Kate Naomi. And I'm Grandpa, and Nick is Grandpa, and that's why Nick's here. Nick, thanks for being here tonight. And uh, What's your thoughts on this question? Does it really matter what we believe?
4: Well, as we look at the Scripture, it, it certainly is clear that Paul, in teaching in Colossians 3, verse 17, says whatever we do in word or deed has to be done by the authority of Jesus Christ. So we've got to go to a standard, and uh, as Ted was uh, speaking of the various uh, bodies of doctrinal faith that they would have written aside maybe from the scriptures as to what the methodists believe we would find what we believe in the scriptures and paul of course is teaching uh, the corinthians that all that he preached was not from man's wisdom so either either what we believe comes from some man uh, or either it comes from god or some group of men or and so as we look to philippians the third chapter i was thinking of that as he was talking in a Paul says in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. So the rules we have to follow uh, and be of the same mind, he says. And and he says, brethren, join in following my example and those who... So walk as you have us for a pattern so we can follow paul's pattern as he follows the doctrine of christ
2: right? i think exactly you, you
4: know
1: right. uh, nick i look at the gospel and uh and the things that paul was you know spending a lot of time on it wasn't just the fundamentals jesus has been uh crucified for our sins he was spending a lot of time on what we do as christians how we how we behave and how we
4: act uh, that's correct uh, you know uh, we see many designations of the people of god uh, in the scripture uh, churches of christ as we would refer to it, it and uh, the church of god all but all of those are talking about the same people and that are practicing the very same thing all right a um,
2: couple other verses to throw in with what you're saying there nick uh, uh, in 1 corinthians 4 verse 6 in the american standard version it says learn not to go beyond the things which are written second John 1 verse 9 in the New American standard Version says, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who teach who abides in the teaching he has both the Father and the son so you have to abide in the teaching to have God and and I, I just think those statements are so important that that you can't just say, there's there's just a few things I have to believe. Most other things are discretionary. I just uh, you know you've got to abide uh, in the teaching. Uh, you can't go beyond the things which are
1: written. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. dot com. Eric in the chat room references Hebrews chapter six verse one, where he says, "Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of the of Christ and go on to maturity." And so Eric references a passage there in Hebrews chapter 6 that seems to allude to the fact that, yes, we've got to agree on the fundamental aspects of Christ, his resurrection, his sacrifice, but there's
2: more beyond that that we need to progress to. Okay. I want to get to some emails. Uh, Patrick uh, has sent in an email. Last week he sent in one, and I didn't get it in time to include all of his comments. to the first question, does it matter what we believe in practice? He says emphatically, yes, the teaching of Jesus and his apostles is that uh, it's God's desire that Christians be united for the purpose of demonstrating to the world that Jesus was indeed sent by God. I think that's exactly true to John 17, verses 20 and 21. He says, also, remaining in Jesus' word or believing and practicing what Jesus taught is evidence that we are truly his disciples and makes us free. If we do not remain in his word, then... Are we truly his disciples? Are we truly free? He references several scriptures. I'm just going to give these. John 17, 20 through 23. John 8, 31 and 32. 1 Corinthians 1, 10. Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 14. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I think uh, Patrick is spot on. All right. Uh, We look
1: forward to hearing from you on email. Thank you, Patrick, for your email. Uh, Send us your thoughts and let us know what you think. Does it matter what we believe and practice? Uh, Randy in... Uh, in Jackson, Missouri. Did yeah, we get to that yeah. one. Yet? Yeah, but
2: he 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 didn't comment on that first question. Oh, he didn't. Okay. Uh, we, uh, uh, but I got another one in in the inbox, Brad, that you were just referencing in the chat room. Sending an email. Does it matter what we believe in practice? He says, absolutely. What I believe about God, His will, and the eternal consequences of my actions governs my behavior. And Second Corinthians five ten tells us that Jesus will judge us and render to us according to our behavior. So I think I think uh Brad is right on there when he says sure it matters what you believe because what you believe affects what you do and we're going to be judged based on what we do. All
1: right, good comments. Thank you for those Brad. Now, how do we get to the point again to the question? Is is it just the the I've I've heard it uh, with a few of our guests that we've interviewed here lately that the core the core beliefs matter and everything else doesn't matter. The core fundamental things just about Christ and his life. That's what matters. The other things are not important. We can be subject to our own likes and dislikes. There, What do you think about that? How do you make that distinction? How do you make a distinction? Is there a distinction?
2: Well, I think that we have to establish way back up here in the chat room. Several were talking about the importance of Bible authority and establishing Bible authority. I think we have to get back to that because, you know, we are authorized, as we often comment on the virtual Bible study by the things that we're directly commanded to do or not do. Now that's fairly straightforward. But we're also we believe that that scriptures teach by the authority of a proved example uh, in second Tim in in uh Philippians chapter two, verse twelve Paul says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." you get over and into Philippians chapter four, 4, verse chapter 9. 4, four, four, four 9 is what I want. Yep. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. So sure. there's
1: the direct commands, learned and received, but also the examples. The things seen you saw
2: by earth. the inspired men. And then we understand, just logic tells us that we we draw some necessary conclusions from the things that are said in the scriptures. For instance, the command to assemble, Hebrews 10, 25, necessitates a place to assemble. And a time. and uh, So we understand that, therefore, necessary inference is a form of authorization. Or an unavoidable conclusion. unavoidable conclusion another way to say it.
1: Okay.
2: So uh, in, in all of that, we've got to get back to those things. How would you say, for instance, that... Observing the Lord's Supper is not an essential thing. In other words, it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with what? Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. Uh, Observing the Lord's Supper is not uh, in in that category of things. In fact, it was one of the things that Ted Campbell mentioned in his blog. He liked the fact that the Churches of Christ observe the Lord's Supper simply and every first day of the week. But that but that wouldn't be in his essential core of beliefs because the church he's a member of, the Methodist Church, doesn't do that. He acknowledges it, but that's not a factor that he, he believes is critical or essential. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, the Apostle Paul said that the, the Lord's Supper, the taking of it, the proper taking of it, uh, could cause many to be judged uh, eternally. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11... He, verse 29, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So, uh, you know, Paul said that that has eternal ramifications how you observe the Lord's Supper.
1: Furthermore, he said he received the instructions on the Lord's Supper from the Lord himself. In verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, For I have received the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. And so the things about how we should behave and the things that we should do in the church, the non-core things, I guess to use terminology that's been used before, those things were delivered by Christ himself. And so to just discount them and say, well, that's not what Christ, that wasn't a teaching that Christ had made himself personally while was on the earth, or that's not anything to do with his sacrifice and his resurrection, so therefore it doesn't matter. It does matter because Christ was guiding into all truth. Exactly right. All right, with through the
2: spirit. Let's take our last break, Jacob. When we get back, we got to get to uh, uh, some other questions, especially this These idea of unity. These guys are doing
1: Diversity. all Hold on of Just the... a second before you fire that off, uh, we, we we do want to hear from you during the break, and we we would request if you're in the chat room and you haven't uh, signed on tonight, use the time during the break. Follow those instructions. Very simple. You're not gonna you're not gonna get any viruses on your computer. You don't have to give any personal information. Just sign in there, and then once you do. You don't have to give us any great profound uh, revelation on your part. Just tell us where you're listening. tonight. We'd like to hear that. Okay. All right. We'll take a break, and we'll hear from you hopefully during the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this.
0: These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says,
3: But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time.
2: I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. That's
0: it. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys.
1: And we are back on the program tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you wherever you are in the, around the world tonight. Let us know you're out there. Let us know you're listening. As we talk about what we believe and what we practice, does it matter? Is it critical? Let us know your thoughts.
2: i got two answers here uh, on the question. I want to get to uh, the question, how would you... Answer someone says, you're right, I'm wrong, or what you do is better than what I do, but I'm going to keep doing what I do. Uh, because, and again, I don't want to misrepresent Ted, Ted Campbell on that point, but he acknowledges that there are things preferable to what Churches of Christ are doing to what the Methodist Church is doing, but he's still in the Methodist Church. So how are we going to answer Ted? If you had a chance to talk to Ted Campbell and say, Ted, wait a minute now, you said this is better, this is, this is closer to the biblical pattern than what you're doing in the Methodist Church but I, but then you stay. You're going to stick with the Methodist Church. How do you do that? Uh, Patrick says I would attempt to be tactful, but I would express the fact that willful defiance is sin. He references James four seventeen. The one who knows to do the right thing and does not do it, it is sin. Uh, I think that's a good passage. Uh, he references First Samuel seventeen, the episode of Saul when he didn't do what he was told to do, and and Samuel rebuked him. First Samuel fifteen. 22 and 23, and mentions Luke 12, verse
4: 47
1: and 48. All right. And uh, also we have an email from Bill who says, I've never heard in my life heard anyone say uh, I'm doing this or that because it is the wrong thing to do. Everyone, without exception, justifies their actions according to their own judgment. An earth worshiper may think uh, it would be good for all of mankind to be extinguished off the planet. However, uh, whatever these people think, uh, God tells us to replenish this earth. The person's judgment may be faulty when left to himself. You have to have a standard. I believe the standard is to be the Bible. If a person is determined to do wrong knowingly, then I can't offer advice. Uh, uh, Also in uh, the chat room tonight, um, uh, Nick has an interesting comment. He says the unity in diversity is taught when it comes to those areas where God has allowed us opinion, where God has specified the truth. There is no room for diversity. I like that
2: thought. Yeah, where the Bible speaks, we must speak. Where the Bible is silent, we have to be silent. Uh, and and in areas where where there is nothing specified, for instance,
1: uh, what time are you going to meet on Sunday? What time are you going to, meet you're going
2: to worship? Sunday? You're going to worship on.
1: You're going to worship uh, at seven o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. You can do that. I can't. I can't call you a sinner for that, can I?
2: Exactly right. Okay. So we, we we allow liberty in areas where God has not specified. Where we have generic authority, and generic authority gives us the the, the right to make expedient judgments, then, then that's what we've got to do. But where God has specified, we don't have. You know, we've talked about Bible authority lots of times on the virtual Bible study. We understand in our dealings with people that when we specify what we want, we want that and we don't want anything else. If I go to the restaurant and I order a hamburger and the waitress brings me a hamburger, but she also brings me 10 other things on the menu... That I didn't specify, I would tell her take those back. I'm not paying for them. I told you what I wanted. It was obvious when I told you what I wanted. I didn't want anything else. Take that back. We we deal that. We use that kind of logical approach to everything we do in our daily lives. God expects us to use that kind of logic when it comes to understanding and applying His word. Let's
1: use it in the area of music, real quickly before we leave that point. When we worship God, it is about worshiping Him and being pleasing to Him. And I want God to be pleased with my worship, uh, Dad. So. The only way I know that God will be pleased if, is if I worship him in the way that he's instructed me to worship him. I may think that it sounds great to have a uh, a piano or a rock and roll band behind me as I sing to worship God with the instrumental music as well as with my voice, but I can't understand if God will be pleased with that if he hasn't told me to do it. He's told me to worship me, him with it, my voice and my voice alone, and if I worship him that way, I know he'll be pleased.
2: Okay. In, in the email, Brad says... What he would say to someone who says, your, your way is better, my way's not as good, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. He said, I would point him to such passages as Matthew 7, 26 and 27 and remind him that Jesus calls them foolish who ignore his words. And furthermore, there are eternal consequences for such rebellion. I think that is right as well. All right, quickly,
1: we've got one more question to answer before we call it quits tonight.
2: All right, our last question is, what does the Bible teach in regards to unity and diversity? Our friend Randy in Jackson, Missouri, uh, mentions a couple of passages. I-, I take it from this that Randy is saying, yeah, maybe it's okay to have unity and diversity. He mentions Mark 9:38 through 40, where John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, "Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon thereafter to speak evil of me, for he who is not against us is for us." Now, I think that passage has been used to teach unity university. I think it's a misuse of the text. There there's nothing there's no indication that that man, that unnamed man who was casting out demons in Jesus' name was doing anything different than they were doing. He just was not in their traveling company. It's almost the as, fact as if that he
1: needed to line up with the apostles rather than lining up with Christ.
2: The fact that he could cast out demons indicated that he had the power of God, right. And that he was doing the right things. The John's objection was he does he's not in our group, right? He's not in he's not traveling with us, so to right. speak. But there's no indication that in his in, in the teaching or practice of that individual was any different than the teaching or practice of Jesus' immediate disciples who were in his. Uh, direct company. So I, I think that passage is, 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 you have to be careful we use that passage that way. Then he mentions Philippians chapter 1, beginning verse 15. Some, to be sure, are preaching Jesus even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in, e- in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Again, I don't think that passage could could teach unity and diversity. No, the, those people were preaching out of envy and strife. Envy and strife are sins. They're condemned in the Word of God. Paul was just saying that he would take consolation in the fact that the gospel was being preached. He's not signing off on those who were teaching out of envy and strife. He's not. He's not commending them. We know that they, that those are. Uh, Works of the flesh that will condemn a man to hell, but he is saying he would take consolation in the fact that gospel is being preached even by some who were preaching it in pretense and who would be judged for their pretense.
1: But they are still preaching the gospel, as you mentioned, John chapter two. I mean, Second John. Uh, verse uh, le- uh, verse ten. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, and neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is particular in his evil deeds. So they were obviously not uh, teaching a different doctrine here that Paul is saying is okay. He's just saying they're preaching it, and their motive might be corrupt, but they're still preaching uh, the gospel, and therefore uh that uh, he's just happy that the gospel is being preached. He's not happy that they're yep. preaching some kind of wild doctrine that doesn't have anything to do with christ
2: in email patrick says the bible does teach that there's indeed unity and diversity there must be unity in doctrine but there can be a myriad of ways in which it can be lived out and put into practice which are all valid as long as not in contradiction to the doctrine or the decrees of legitimate authority well i think this goes to what we were saying earlier jacob that in, in matters of judgment we're given liberty and we can acknowledge one another's personal preferences in matters where god is not specified where there is not specified authority as uh, as i think patrick is saying uh, and he, he goes on and, and he lists first corinthians chapter 12 beginning verse 4 where different members of the body have different function and all are to be valued all right uh, good
1: comments there lots of uh, chatter in the chat room tonight that we just can't it's going by so fast you can't get it all there but uh, some good comments in the chat room tonight. Again, we'd like to hear from where you are. If you'd, uh, if you'd log in there, if you're already logged in, just tell us where you're listening on the program tonight. Yeah, there,
2: there were there were so many good side discussions going on in the chat room that we couldn't even keep up with them. We had so much there tonight. You know,
1: the chat room is an interesting tool there, and if you're not listening to us live, if you can work it into your schedule, we know a lot of people can't with other commitments on Thursday night, but if you can work it into your schedule to listen to us live rather in the podcast, uh, you can join in with other listeners in the chat room. And I do think uh, that our, our our live listeners do enjoy being able to communicate with other listeners while they're
2: uh, listening. I see a comment from Nick. And I think I saw earlier in the chat room where Nick is from Washington State. Not the Nick who's with us in the studio, but Nick from Washington State said, the unity and diversity is taught when it comes to those areas where God has allowed us opinion, but where God has specified the truth, there's no room for diversity. I would yeah. agree with that statement. Yes.
1: Yes, that, I think that summarizes our, our position on it.
2: Uh, someone in the chat room criticized the frequent expression "I think" in the chat room. Uh, uh, and Dean in Louisiana says, "I was talking last Sunday how the phrase I think' should be a red flag to us." Then two sentences later, I almost used it, said it again. He says we should say the Scriptures say instead of "I think," uh, which, right. which is tr- which is true. But I I think, I understand that when people say, I think, they're not always posing their opinion versus Scripture.
1: They're just
2: expressing their conclusion. A lot of times when we say, I think, we're expressing a conclusion we've drawn from the things that the Bible teaches. Uh, So I, I, that. My friend Travis,
1: who listens to the program, uh, I think as well, uh, he, he called me on that several years ago. I still remember him uh, calling me on that. I, it, is not, it is a point that uh, we, we should consider. You, you want to make sure that you don't give the wrong impression and, and you don't want to present things that are biblical truths as something that could be portrayed as your opinion. So if, uh, we, something we do need to think about.
2: All right. Uh, we, we've had a lot of good feedback, a lot of comment in both email and in the chat room. We appreciate everybody for participation. Obviously, we didn't get to cover all the comments in the chat room. But I would say one more time before we end, Jacob, we appreciate Dr. Ted Campbell from SMU joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. We obviously differ. Our conclusions are much different from his, but we do appreciate his willingness to talk about our differences. And we appreciate uh, Jeff
1: for being behind the controls tonight, and he's also been doing a little on-the-job training here with, with James.
2: He's, James uh, is, is, is uh, uh, but assistant junior producer.
1: Oh, no, he's a, I don't maybe he's an apprentice. He's he's Jeff's he, he, apprentice tonight.
2: Well, um, well, I won't say, okay.
1: All <laughs> right, well, uh, Dad, thank you for the time, the time tonight. Good discussion. Thank you, we enjoyed it. All right, we appreciate you for being a part of the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We look forward to hearing from you and talking with you this time next week on another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.